You are now listening to episode 172 of The Mystic Show. Time to bring it down. Welcome everyone to the show. I am your host, Chris Curran. I'm happy you're able to join me on the Mystic Show, where we focus on a lot of meaningful things with regards to our lives and our families. The world is full of enough gossip and superficial stuff. Here we break it down. Spirituality, mindfulness, meditation, and a lot of things unseen and otherworldly. The purpose of this show is for you and I to really move forward on our path of spirituality, of wisdom, of higher awareness, higher consciousness. I mean, there's so many higher levels available to us as human beings. Unfortunately, we usually just focus on earning money and eating food, which are good and necessary. And I like money and I like food. So if you practice some of what we talk about on this show, it'll make a big difference in your life. New episodes every Friday morning early, and you can hear us as a podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and of course the website, www.themysticshow.net. Themysticshow.net. You can sign up for our behind-the-scenes emails Every week, I'll send you a very short email of some behind-the-scenes stuff behind the Mystic Show, what does not make it onto the show itself. And I'd like to thank Pause Your Life, our sponsor, our sister organization. Pause Your Life. If you ever feel like you need to hit the pause button and stop the world and just be a human being and not worry about all the stuff that you worry about, that's what Pause Your Life is for. Pause Your Life facilitates meetups and retreats, and the upcoming Bliss Week is going to be, well, blissful and epic. The plan for this show, oh, by the way, Pause Your Life just launched the midweek pause emails. I think last episode I talked about it a lot, but we had our first midweek pause email comes to you on a Wednesday, and it just, it's middle of the week. You need to just take a few minutes, read some really powerful material, rebalance yourself, re-energize. And, you know, you can get the email on the Wednesday and you could read it whenever you have time, but maybe you could read it on Thursday. It doesn't matter when you read it, whenever you need it, whenever you feel like you need to pause, that's when you should read the email. So you can sign up for that. Go to pauseyourlife.org. So what nest are you living in? I'm going to tell you a little story (laughs) on this episode. I hope it's interesting and I hope it makes sense. Well, it'll make sense, but I hope it has some meaning. I think it does. See, I worry about these things as, well, not worry, but when I record a mystic show, I want to make sure that the things I'm talking about are relevant and useful and 
or at least interesting or entertaining something, right? Something for you to hear that that is something and that you like and that you can listen next week and the week after. So I hope I'm able to do that. I, I would always love your feedback if you... In fact, I was thinking earlier that I, I should poll the listeners of The Mystic Show just to see what you guys like best about the show, where you listen to the show. Because think about this. If if most of the listeners listened when they're at home, sitting down with their eyes closed, almost like meditating, just chilling, listening to The Mystic Show, I could do some, we could do some really cool stuff. We could play some really relaxing music. We could have like five minutes of relaxing music in the middle just to chill and meditate a little, contemplate. But the thing is, if you're driving to work, <laughs> that kind of thing isn't going to, it just doesn't fit. So anyway, it's always interesting where you guys are listening. So if you want to let me know, that'd be awesome. So what nest are you living in? I think that's what question I asked. You know, leaving the nest is something that happens, I think, in many areas of our lives. The nest, in a way, is a comfortable place, right? It's a nourishing place. It's familiar. It's comfortable. You know, like a bird's nest, right? The birds hatch from their eggs in the nest, and they just sit there in the nest, and then mom and dad come and feed them, and they're in the nest. But guess what? Someday, they're going to have to leave the nest. And when they leave the nest, (laughs) it's an adventure, Good things can happen, but a lot of bad things can happen too. So, And I think in life we leave other things too. Like, for instance, a long relationship. Maybe you're in a relationship for many years and then somehow it ends and you have to leave. You can feel like you're leaving a nest, right? It's You're going on an adventure. You're going back into the unknown. Or maybe even your formal education. You know, I, uh, one of my friend's daughters just graduated college and she was saying that She wishes she was back in college because now she's in the real world. She's out of the nest of college. It's a nice, insulated place in a way, right? Comfortable. It's a known entity, right? It's something that you know. So leaving the nest is sort of like going into the unknown. And we can handle that in various ways, right? How about leaving your comfort zone? That's, uh, you know, leaving the nest in a way, or maybe even leaving a habit, a bad habit, right? You're going into the unknown and it might be difficult, might be really good. It could be also difficult, or maybe it's a long association with an organization. Maybe you've been a member of of a certain organization for many years and something happens and you decide to leave, or maybe you get kicked out, whatever, but you leave and now... This life that you thought you had, this identity you had as, oh, I'm a member of this organization. Well, that's not true anymore. So you're almost, that's almost like leaving the nest. And of course, when your spiritual guide attains Mahasamadhi and leaves his body, which that was my experience about a year and a half ago. And in a way, I felt like I left the nest my nice, comfortable, insulated place was different all of a sudden. (laughs) Things opened up. I was facing the unknown. 
So that's sort of leaving the nest as well. So what ways, what nest are you in? I mean, there must be some comfortable situation you're in. And look, if it's a family, that's very natural, right? That's awesome. And a lot of these nests are very natural and they're good. They're not bad. It's the changing from something known and comfortable to something unknown and uncomfortable that that's a part of life, right? That happens to us many, many times. I mean, even think about it. Every morning you get out of bed, you're leaving the nest every morning. You know, there's some part of you that wants to just lay in bed. <laughs> I know a big part of me wants to do that. I'm, I'm definitely a person that can sleep late or lays around and that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, self-discipline is an adventure in my life. So here's the story. We have a tree in our backyard. It's a pine tree. Not sure what kind of pine tree, but it's right near our deck and it's it goes up maybe 30 feet. And at the top, I think I may have mentioned on a previous episode, these magpies, they built a nest up there. Now, a magpie is a type of a bird and they built this nest and then the wind blew because the wind blows here in Colorado Springs sometimes, sometimes often. <laughs> And the nest sort of almost kind of crumbled. So they then they kind of rebuilt it. You know how animals do that. Like if, if somehow their nest gets damaged or destroyed, they just build another one. You know, they didn't have a big pity party on the deck and, you know, whatever. They just started building a new one. Anyway, these magpies, they built like they built on top of the damaged nest. So it's this huge nest. It's like literally, I don't know, maybe two and a half feet in diameter. It's like this big ball because they actually build it like a sphere. It's like a dome nest. It's not just an open nest, like a bowl. It's actually a domed nest. So they built this nest and they built it over the winter actually. And about a month ago, we were thinking, my wife and I were thinking, are they ever going to have, you know, babies, chicks? And of course, about two, three weeks ago, we heard little noises and we kind of saw the parents going back and forth. And then we heard more little noises and okay, so the, some of the eggs hatched. And and so the parents were feeding the chicks all day, every day. Man, that, is that a full-time job or what? I mean, I don't think the mother and father do anything else. Literally, right? Think about that. So about... Four days ago, four or five days ago, we looked out and we saw one of the chicks sitting out on a branch, you know, pretty close to the nest, but sitting on a branch. And it was funny because the, the chick was almost like at times wobbling, like it, it was it was it didn't have very sh a sure footing and uh, and and we didn't see it moving around very much, but somehow it was able to get out of the nest and get to a, a branch close by and then we saw it move to well it moved to another branch we didn't see how it moved but like at that point they can flap their wings and they can kind of like jump up to a branch and flap their wings but they weren't ready to fly yet and then his brother or sister came out I think it was the next day so there was two of them sitting out on branches and it was the next day and I didn't see this but my wife saw this the two of them were sitting out on a branch or something and then the mother or father was there and the mother or father flew over to a nearby tree 
you know, nearby we have these three trees, actually. It's like a little triangle of three pine trees in the corner of our yard. It's not far away from their nest tree. And my wife said she saw the first bird, who was like the oldest one, we think, just jumped off the tree and flapped his wings and was like sort of flying over to those three trees. And the second one just jumped to follow his brother, right, or sister. And apparently the first one sort of landed on the tree and landed on a branch and was able to land safely. But the second one, poor thing, he apparently didn't land safely and sort of like fell through the branches and got knocked around and went all the way to the ground. Um, And luckily it was okay. So a little later that day, I think the one that fell to the ground got up into the tree. Uh, But later that night, that evening, the second one, it was a little smaller one, he was on the ground and he was walking around chirping because it was, you could tell it was getting late and the parents were over there trying to, they were concerned, you know, because think about it. If the chick or actually once they sort of leave the nest, they're called a fledgling. That's what I learned when I looked up, (laughs) what do you call a baby bird uh, for this episode? So it's kind of, it's called a fledgling and a fledgling is, I'll read it, a young bird that has developed most of its flight feathers and is ready to leave the nest, though it may remain under its parents' care for some time after actually vacating the nest. These birds are awkward and inexperienced and do not fly well. That's a perfect definition of these birds. So the younger one was on the ground and walking around and it's getting darker and darker. And guess what? A few nights earlier in the evening, it was probably like seven in the evening. It wasn't dark yet. In the front yard, my wife was tending one of her plants that she just planted. She came around to the side to say say something to me. And then she went back out front. I followed her back out front and... From our front yard, walking toward sort of onto the neighbor's driveway, there's like a cat. But it didn't, it did, it, I mean, it looked like a cat, but I don't know, it caught my attention. So we saw it walk and it turned and walked right on the road, right through the cul de sac, right in front of our house. It was a bobcat. And we think it was a female because it was a little smaller than average, kind of skinny. Maybe it was a juvenile, I don't know. But the bobcat just kind of slowly but surely made its way across the cul-de-sac and went into our neighbor's yard, (laughs) our other neighbor's yard. Yeah, anyway, so we saw a bobcat, another bobcat. We had seen one a few months before in a different part of town, actually. So this fledgling magpie is walking around on the ground, and we're like, look, if it becomes dark, there's no way that fledgling magpie is going to survive because the bobcat and every other creature of the night is going to come by and get it probably right so my wife and I are watching and we kind of she kind of said you know we should do something I said yeah what can we do let's we can go get it and she said well let's go get it and put it up in the tree first she said well we'll bring it in the house we'll bring it up to the deck and we'll put it you know like halfway up the tree where the nest is but then once we decided to actually go help this fledgling I said, you know what, let's just pick it up and put it right up in the tree where his brother is, you know, just to get it off the ground. So that's what we did. My my wife got a little towel. She also got a, she suggested a umbrella because when I got close, 
first I went without anything. I went sort of near this fledgling and the mom immediately came really close to me and was chirping really hard. And I was, you know, I didn't want this mother bird to dive bomb onto my head, right? And peck my scalp or something or peck my eye, right? I, I don't know how aggressive these birds are. I really don't. So my wife had the idea to get an umbrella to kind of cover my head and so the bird really wouldn't see, couldn't really dive bomb me. So we did that. And, you know, so I don't go on for seven hours telling this story. We ended up, I had the towel. I kind of got the bird, but I got the towel from underneath and his wings were on top and he, he was flapping a little and he kind of got away. So then my wife took the towel and we ended up getting them and she, uh, she grabbed them and we walked over to those three trees and the mother was chirping like crazy the whole time, but she didn't dive bomb us. And she put this fledgling into the tree and she put it and it kind of got its bearings on the first branch. And then immediately it jumped up to the next branch flapping his wings and it stood on the next branch. And we immediately just kind of quickly left. And then the mother came over and we were like, okay, good. This, you know, we helped this bird get into the tree, <laughs> which was good. And then, of course, we realized that these birds are going to have to stay the night in that tree. There's no way they're going to get back to the nest. And then we were thinking, what is that like? You got to stay somewhere where it's dark and unknown and dangerous. And and I bet you can already smell the analogies coming, <laughs> the spiritual analogies. Anyway, so these birds are going to have to spend the night in that tree. And apparently there's... I found out today, which was a few days later, I found out today that there's four chicks in total. So at this point, when the two were in the other tree, there was two more still in the nest because we heard the parents feeding them as well. And the parents literally, again, that's all they were doing was flying around feeding these birds. Today, I actually saw all four of them on the other side of our house you know, one was walking along the ground. Another one was in the, the, the rest were in the trees. They're kind of, I think they're just kind of hopping around, you know, getting their bearing and learning things, you know, and they're kind of poking around the ground, maybe learning how to find food or something. But it's interesting, but the parents still feed every one of them. All right. So let's get into these spiritual analogies. You ready? Leaving your home, leaving your nest. In some ways, when we were pure spirit, we were closest to God, right? Or closest to the universe or source, right? Maybe source is a good word. And we didn't have a body yet. We hadn't descended to have a human body. And we were pure and we were close to our mom or dad, whatever, or the father, whatever you want to call it. And um, I guess Jesus called it the father anyway. But everything was good. Life was good, and then we descended into human form, and then now that we're in human form, we kind of feel like we're away from home. So, you know, these baby magpies leaving the nest is like us all of a sudden, boom, now we're in the, now we're in the real world, material world, I should say. And that's uncomfortable, right? There's always that, you know, before we get into spirituality and meditation, well, first, there's a phase in your life when you're in party mode and nothing matters. You're just, you're not even thinking, you're just living and partying and blissful and, you know, 
actually living pretty naturally, which is a good way to live. Then in some time in middle age, we sort of understand that, well, there's more to this whole thing and we, you know, we need to gain wisdom because we don't want to suffer any more <laughs> frustrations in, in our lives. And, and then that's when we sort of realize we need to meditate and practice spirituality. And then that's when we realize that, you know what, material world life is very stressful and crazy or relentless is a word I always want to use, you know. And that's why we started Pause Your Life, actually, <laughs> because life is relentless. It never stops. And Pause Your Life, is the whole idea is to actually stop and at least feel what it feels like to stop. So leaving our home and descending into a human body is sort of like leaving the nest. And then, of course, the, these birds had to spend the uncomfortable night away from home figuring out how the heck to live. What do I do? How do I get up to this branch? How do I do this and that? And is mom going to come feed me and all this? And today it was actually thundering and it raining and it actually hailed for a little bit. And I looked out the window to see these birds, like if, what if they were going to do anything different. And they really didn't. They really didn't. The one who was laying on the ground just, just sat there. And the ones in the trees, they just were in the trees. So I guess they were sheltered a little bit from the rain and the hail. But that's, you know, life hails on us. It rains on us. <laughs> right? So in these trees, these fledglings are learning how to go from branch to branch. And what they're doing is they're strengthening their wings. Right? So they're learning a lot, yes. But what's the next big step for them is to fly. But they can't fly right now because their wings aren't big enough. And these are actually, as far as birds go, these are kind of big. These aren't little sparrows. They're pretty big. So I don't know, somehow they were brave enough to, to jump off the tree with where their nest was, but they weren't really ready to fly yet. But they're strengthening their wings. And what what's the analogy there? The analogy is you and I meditating and learning how to experience this inner world and how to have a taste of enlightenment or bliss or samadhi, right? Like these birds probably over the last three days have jumped from one branch to the next branch like 200 times or a thousand times maybe. It's like practice. So same with us, same with you and I, we sit down to meditate. It's good. That's an experience. We sit down to read a really good book and sort of get in the zone. That's a good experience. So all these little experiences add up. And if let's say you meditate and read good books for a thousand days in a row, which is what, almost three years. I mean, that's when you see real progress, right? You don't see it after two days. You see it after three years. <laughs> That's definitely been my experience as well. I had to practice for a year, you know. See, you experience things from the very beginning, if you're sincere. But to see the big life changes, it just takes time to unfold. So we left our original home 
in spirit. We ended up in this material world. We're going through dark nights and dangerous nights of thunder and hail. And we're jumping from branch to branch. And mom and dad are are feeding us. They're doing their duty. I just realized, who who is mom and dad in in this spiritual analogy? Who's mom and dad? Well, it's spirit, right? It's source. Because we're getting this consciousness from somewhere. Like, our consciousness needs power or food as well. And in Sahaj Marg, they call it transmission. So it's like food for the soul. That's what keeps us alive and animated. If that line of transmission or that line of spiritual energy or food is cut, then that's when you die. So there's probably way more analogies in this story. One of them, is, one, another one is my wife and I, who helped this little fledgling get into the trees to avoid the bobcat. What's the analogy? Who are me and my wife in the spirit world? Well, maybe they're the spiritual entities that help us human beings when we're in need. You know, that part of life that's unexplainable, whether you want to call it miracles or coincidence or serendipity or anything you want. A lot of things happen that can't be explained by science. And you know what? In a way, we don't even really need to know what it is or who it is, right? We just know that it is some entities from a higher level, maybe. Or maybe it's just nature or the pure source that's just helping us, right? But either way, we're definitely receiving help from above in some form or another. And it reminds me of, have you ever thought this is one of these little things that kind of can change your mindset pretty quick. But imagine that there's an army of angels in the spirit world that are all helping you. They're not only cheering you on, they're actually helping you. They're here to help you. They see that you want to correct some bad habits. They're all here to help you and give you energy and encouragement. I mean, just having the thought that there's a, that a big team of powerful beings on my team that are helping me. I love that thought. (laughs) Is it true? I don't know. (laughs) There's so many things we don't know in this spiritual pursuit. That's why we have to sit down and meditate. And maybe we'll find out. Maybe you can ask. Ask questions and see what answers you get. But be careful asking questions because... You got to ask the right questions, number one. <laughs> you can't ask, um, when am I going to earn a million dollars? All right, that's the wrong question to ask, spirit. Anyway, what do you think a good question would be? So there we have the story of the magpies leaving the nest. I'll update you next week. I'm sure by next week they'll all be flying around like crazy. But I am wondering if... They can't all fit in this nest now. They're too big. And I know that's probably why they started leaving and diving off the top of the tree before they can fly, because there's probably no room up there. Anyhow, I'll let you know how the the magpies are doing, and maybe you can ponder these analogies. And you know what? 
you probably thought of five other analogies. So if you want to comment on this post on the website, themysticshow.net, find this post, episode 172, and comment with your analogies or bird stories or something. That'd be awesome. I love hearing from you guys. Joe Voorhees, Frank, Christy, Peggy, so many people. So we're going to end this episode with a reading from the book we love, one of the books we love, 365 Dow. And actually, I wanted to define Dow because I'm not sure you know what it means. Or, or sometimes reading a formal definition just really helps understand it. You probably mostly know what it means, but it's always nice to hear the formal definition. So Dao, in Chinese philosophy, the absolute principle underlying the universe, combining within itself the principles of yin and yang and signifying the way or code of behavior that is in harmony with the natural order. The interpretation of Tao in the Tao Te Ching developed into the philosophical religion of Taoism, right? So Taoism, I guess, is a religion. That's what it says. But the Tao itself is the underlying principle behind the whole universe. You know, you could think of it as spirit or God or intelligence or source, right? Whatever. When we talk about that level, words don't do much good. So, this is from 365 Dow. It's a very short reading. It's really nice, though. It's called Insignificance. And it starts with a little poem, and then it goes into, like, a paragraph description. Insignificance. Spasms of molten rock piled a cone three miles high. Rain and wind split a hundred towering fingers. In time... Trees strove for leverage in the fissures. After a million years, condors and snakes took up residence. Mighty rock, carved walls adorned with chartreuse and vermilion lichen. Man yet more puny on those stones. How long will it take to see Tao? Until you no longer hold self-importance. Compared to the massive movements of heaven and earth, compared to the immensity of geologic time, the greatest acts of humanity and their monuments are beneath significance. We climb the highest mountains. We dive to the depths of the sea. We fling ourselves as close to the sun as we dare, and we are not even on the scale of nature's measure. In our egotism, and our view of ourselves as the center of the universe, we imagine that our lives have some meaning and importance when placed beside the stars and mountains and rivers. They do not. We cannot hope to have any true meaning in the history of the universe. But we can know it better. We can be a better part of it. If you want to know the force that keeps the sky blue, the stars burning, the mountains high and still, the rivers running and the oceans flowing, then remove the veil that stands between you and Tao. There you have it. It's called insignificance. I like that last line. Remove the veil that stands between you and Tao. What is that veil? 
well, at the very end of the poem on the top, he says, how long will it take to see Tao until you no longer hold self-importance? Think about that. Self-importance is ego. Ego is the veil between us and Tao. Self-importance. Hmm. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I kind of had fun doing it. So I hope you can listen next week. And you can even go back and listen to previous episodes. Go check out pauseyourlife.org. We're going to start having some virtual meetups as well with that. It'd be cool to meet you guys on a virtual meetup where we hit the pause button and drop our baggage. Anyhow, have a great day. Have a great week. I hope some of these concepts were interesting and meant something. Until next time, keep shining.